Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to episode number 66 of the Church Leadership Podcast. This episode is fantastic. It's actually part two of our conversation with Daniel M. You're going to be so encouraged and challenged as you listen to this episode and this conversation. Before we get there, though, I want to remind you of something we mentioned last week, and that is we've got something really cool coming up called the Bribe to Subscribe. Yeah, we're going to bribe you to subscribe, and uh, if you've already subscribed, we're going to bribe you to uh, get somebody else to subscribe. We're going to give away a new iPad. You'll hear more details about that coming up, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, We can't wait to launch that contest soon. Now, here is today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, As you listen to the podcast this week, we're going to have a follow-up interview with our friend Daniel M. Daniel, thank you for being back on the podcast. It's good to be with you guys. Last time was a hoot, so this will be even better, right? (laughs) That's well, right. That's that's what they say. You say that like you lived in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a hoot. So <laughs> people from Edmonton, Alberta probably don't say things are a hoot. I'm sure. Hey, you yeah. know, you know, it's hilarious. So I have this thing against Greek words, um, using Greek words on Sunday, like during the sermon, because I feel like it going back to the last episode that it kind of, it actually, um, it makes reading the Bible unachievable on an unconscious oh, level, yeah. because then it's like, it makes us feel good because we know something they don't. And it makes, it's kind of a fake, you know, you know, uh, uh, good meat or, or solid food or whatever people want. You know, I want more meat because it's because they've learned something they don't know. But it, it actually makes reading the Bible unattainable that's right. and unachievable because it's like, oh, I can't actually get there. So that's why I, I would agree answer. with that yeah. in several areas, not just reading the Bible, but I mean, sometimes yeah. we want to make ourselves out as professional ministers yeah. to, to be so super yes. spiritual that people... People just want to give up and quit following yeah. Jesus because we can't we can't do all that stuff. Exactly. It's like, uh, it's yeah. like when Ron Swanson walks into Lowe's, he says, I know more than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So here's the funny thing about Nashville. So what I did was, and I'm still saying y'all and all that stuff, so because I love it. But basically, um, on a weekend, I was we were talking about community and and I, I was like, Okay, guys, I wanna I wanna teach you a Greek word. And I was like, just follow after me. Okay. The Greek word for this is ya. And I was like, ya, ah, oh, ya, ah, oh. Okay. <laughs> Everyone, let's say it together. Y'all. <laughs> That's so good. And literally, everyone was like, oh, because I was talking about the plural form of yeah, you, right? That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That is really good. Well, that probably is a better fit for some Greek language, y'all. So, <laughs> well, yes. last time we talked a little bit about how churches struggle sometimes trying to find ways to help them make disciples or move along in their process of, of growing in depth in, in what they're doing ministry wise. And we talked a little bit about, there's no such thing as a silver bullet, but we wanted to kind of ask you a little bit uh, in, in a different vein in this mm. podcast, we wanted to talk about your newest book, uh, mm. you know, and I'll let you introduce it and talk about it however you want to, but 
the basic premise behind why you have written this book, I think it's going to be very, very helpful to people who are listening. I think there may be some moments where a light bulb goes off and, and, and people have that aha moment where, yeah, exactly what he's talking about it. That's, that's how I'm ministering to people right now. And I haven't made those connections. So tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about your new book and, and how it can be helpful to us. Yeah, it, it, it's essentially a reaction of, or, or maybe even it's, 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 it was written out of an observation that work has changed and the way that we approach work has changed. And it's all because of the side hustle, right? I mean, you guys, y'all have a side hustle, right? I mean, I have side hustles and I mean, it's just, it's the new normal where there's, yeah, maybe you have the nine to five job and you have your side hustle or your job is just a bunch of side hustles. Uh, where you're a part of the gig economy, right? And the gig economy is basically um, yourself employed in a part-time or full-time capacity, getting paid for your time, skills, possessions, or expertise. So if you're, if you're doing that in some sense or fashion, you are a part of the gig economy and 35% of the American workforce is a part of this. I mean, that's 57 million Americans. Wow. That's more people than Canada, Liberia, Greece, and Puerto Rico all combined, right? Wow. Who are wow. in the gig economy. And here's the surprising thing. In the last five years, 68% of all gig workers joined the gig economy, right? Wow. So you think about in the last five years, 68%. Wow. Right. So you see the hockey stick up. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's crazy how rapidly this has changed. So to think that this is not affecting and shaping us is a bit, um, I think we're kind of, you know, you're, you're just kind of closing your eyes and plugging your ears and just hoping everything goes back to normal, but it's not right. And, and those, it, it affects us as pastors and church leaders. And, and it particularly affects those that we are pastoring, because if you're not in the gig economy, you're funding the gig economy because you've taken an Uber or you've bought something off a of Facebook marketplace or you've ordered food, right? Um, even if, even, 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 even without an app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even without an app, right? If you go get your haircut, I mean, you're funding the gig economy because that person's a 1099 worker, right? right? They're, they're getting, yeah, they're renting that chair and, and it's all on their own, right? So there's a sense where the gig economy has changed the normal for us. So in the book, I basically, after observing that, that's where um, basically I, I, I under, I, I not under, I identified these seven lies. And here's the thing that ties all seven lies together is that the gig economy is now saying you have unlimited earning potential. You are fully in control of your life. Mm. Uh, You want a freedom and a life of freedom and flexibility than gig, right? So it's saying I am the path to freedom and flexibility. I am the path to a life of control. And that's why the gig economy has risen so rapidly in the last few years. Oh, that's a great one. I mean, you think about the whole grid of creation, fall, redemption. Gig mm-hmm. economy is redemption in that scenario. That's, that's huge. That's and true. even that's that it falls into, do you see that uh, affecting ministry as a whole? Because, you know, we've talked before and, and a lot of people are talking right now, the trend of bivocational and co-vocational ministry mm-hmm. it was a necessity for a long time. Now it's becoming not just a necessity, but a, a viable option for a lot of people. Preference, do you think that's yeah. affecting us in ministry as well? Yeah, yeah. The great thing about the gig economy, because there's positives and negatives and all that stuff in terms of the reaction of it, it's neutral in the sense of it's just what it is right now. But the great thing is because of the gig economy, bivocational and co-vocational ministry isn't looked down upon. It's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you can be great at two things and it can actually be a missional opportunity to, to move down this route. 
versus before it was like, you're not good enough to get a full-time job as a pat. You're not good enough to grow your church to support you full-time. So yeah, sorry, you got to do another job, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, right? Unfortunately. So the, the great thing is because of the gig economy, it's becoming more and more normal and accepted and actually a great choice for pastors and church leaders to go down this route and to even say, okay, yeah, I'm doing this. Let me get a vocational trade or let me find, I mean, you guys know about this, right? And, and let right. me, let me get a, um, an employable skill. And also I am right. And, and I think part of it is what is our primary and what is our secondary calling, right? In our churches, our primary calling is to go and make disciples of all nations. That's right. Regardless of how we get paid, our secondary one is what we do to get paid. That's exactly so, right. Yeah. So from that perspective, it's, it's, it's a great thing now, but it's just, we need to be aware of the tension of, okay, why are we gigging and how much are we gigging and what is this actually doing to our families and, yep. and to our ministry and, and to our other responsibilities too. That's fantastic. You know, the book, by the way, is called uh, You Are What You Do and Six Other Lies About Work, Life, and Love. And so I remember we were having dinner um, uh, around an event here in town in Birmingham uh, last year. And so uh, we started talking about this because you were, you were writing, developing, and you were near the end of writing by that point. Yeah. And so we were talking about this. And man, I was just, I mean, I was fascinated because it speaks to exactly where our culture is. Yeah. And I would say, you know, we're not, we're not trying to sell the book or anything, but, but really I would say if you're a leader in a local church, this is huge, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't, we don't minister, we don't serve, we don't lead in a vacuum. Uh, culture is, is the, you know, the medium in which we do ministry. And so I think this is huge, but in, in, in your, in response to the book, you know, the book mm -hmm. came out not too long ago, um, just launched, but even in writing and, and, and research, are there any of these lies that you have gotten more feedback on and response to mm. that have had, had more of an impact? Yeah. I mean, you are what you do is definitely that lie, especially in America, I'd say North America too, but especially in America. And if your listeners are into the Enneagram, I mean, a lot of people say America is a three country. <laughs> uh, which is very achiever oriented and, and doing oriented. Yeah. So it's so interesting how fast someone will ask you within the States what you do and how fast yeah. that comes up in a conversation, which is actually not like it doesn't come up that fast in Australia. It doesn't even come up that fast. It does come up fast in Canada, but not as fast as in the States. And in some countries in Europe, they just refuse to ask you that. Wow. So it's interesting how different countries will even emphasize certain lies over the others, but especially within an American context, that lie that you are, what you do is so ingrained, yep. right? Because as a kid, you're asked what you want to do. Here's, <laughs> here's the elusive thing. You're not even asked what you want to do when you grow up. As a kid, you're asked what you want to be when you That's grow exactly up. Right. Right. Yep. right. And you then, and, and, and then how do you respond? What you do, right? Yep. And so from a little kid, you're we're, we're tricking our children. I have tricked my children unintentionally before all this, where it's like, okay, we are connecting their being with their doing. And as adults, we're asked what we're, what we do. And at the end of our lives, we're asked what we've done and we judge people based on that. Right. So it's just this as pastors and church leaders, we need to be aware of that first and foremost, that and the other lies, but also, okay, how do we then pastor in light of that? Mm. Yeah, the reality of that came crashing into my wife and I a few years ago. Our middle son mm. brought home one of those assignments, and it was, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
kind of assignment, you know, write about it and draw it. And at the, the, the bottom of the paper, the statement was when I grow up, I want to be a great man of God and have a mustache like my pappy. So, <laughs> uh, so I felt like we were making Love a traction there with right. our middle son, that's you know, right. that's that, great. that he didn't write astronaut or policeman or, you know, doctor or whatever, but he wanted to grow up to be a great man of God yeah. and have a, and by the way, my dad rocked a awesome mustache yeah. so, of course yeah. of course your son failed that project you yeah know, but. well <laughs> that's awesome well you know mark mentioned this is this is a helpful tool for church leaders to walk through this and see you know a lot of how we're ministering to people and and leading them mm. is it's gonna it's gonna be affected by our culture whether we want to admit that or not you know, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of our culture and the standards in our society affect our church way more than the other way around, which it should be. Our church should be the influence of our culture, but it's not. So we need to investigate ways on how we can better meet people where they are. So that's great. But also when people read this book, it's going to affect, affect them individually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're going to read this and they're going to be able to identify, wow, that's not just a truth I needed to hear that that. I realized that I've been believing this lie, but it's an idol in my heart. And how, how do you feel like we can, uh, through not just this book, but through our, our, our ministries and how we lead our churches, how we can walk people through identifying and even mm-hmm. confronting and smashing some of those idols? Yeah, yeah. I, my very first course in seminary was on the Sermon on the Mount. And the whole course was just Matthew five to seven. And it was, it was, it's kind of what it was not even new Testament foundations or old Testament or any of that. It was sermon on the Mount. I, I did it. I did the elective first. And I remember, I mean, just how, I mean, the sermon on the Mount is incredible, but what's fascinating about what Jesus does there is he has this thing where he says, you heard it was said, but now I say to you, you heard it was said, but now I say to you, you heard it was said, but now I say, to you. and he says it over and over and over again. And I wonder if in this book, um, as an example, we need to approach it this way with our, con- with our congregations too, right? It's like you heard it was said that you are what you do, but I say to you, you are a child of God. Right? Right. You heard it was said that you are what you experience, but I say to you, you're a new creation, right? And we actually go through each of these lies. And, and as pastors and church leaders, it's like, okay, how do we, in our discipleship, how do we, in our communication, identify the lies of our ages, and then combat them and, and say, well, but I say to you, right? you heard it was said, but I say to you, right? And that's where in every chapter of the book, I mean, there's seven chapters, seven lies, but each chapter, it's you heard it was said, right? And here's the entire culturally what this is, but here's what the scriptures then say about that in response, right? So that's where it's just for each of us, right? How do we personally understand, okay, what am I believing about the lies of our age, but also congregationally and those that we're discipling, how do we identify and call that out, call that out, right? Because every day we're seeing 5,000 marketing messages, right? Every day we're, there's over 35,000 decisions that we make every single day. Right. I mean, how many times during this episode did your listeners decide that they wanted to continue to listen or stop? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it's like every single second we're making decisions here and there, micro decisions, 35,000 times every single day. So it's, we need to be aware of what is around us before we can speak out that truth. That's powerful. And, you know, I think, you know, as we, as we begin to close out, mm. I think, 
in terms of practical nature, you know, in the, in the last episode that we had with you, we talked about some practical steps that we could take. And um, I think that would be beneficial. To well, hey, I can identify one practical takeaway here. Uh, use what Daniel's talking about right now and use his book. It would be a great outline for a teaching series. A sermon you know, just, series, yes. And absolutely. he he wouldn't mind that at all. I mean, you know, of course, give him a plug and give him <laughs> yeah, credit, but right. just totally rip his stuff yeah. and, and, yeah, and do it, man. Claim it, it your own. I, your I own, wouldn't so. suggest just reading it from the pulpit, but you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but but I would say, I'm thinking of pastors that we encounter mm. that are going to be. <laughs> They're going to read this book and, and quite honestly, they're going to have to put it down mm. and say, oh my goodness, I need to repent. Mm. Um, because not only have I believed these lies, I have led our church further down the road of these lies. Mm. You know, and I'm thinking of, yeah, I want to get political, but I, I'm thinking of churches that, Annie and I were talking about this earlier today, of just have bought whatever political, you know, bent, you know, wherever you are politically, conservative, liberal, moderate whatever they've kind of adopted that yeah. and they mm-hmm. believe some lies about who they are in relation to culture and, and, wow. you know, who they should be. So I guess what would be your advice on some of those leaders it may not be pastors it may be Sunday school teachers. It may be life group leaders, you know, whatever, who have not only bought into the lies, but man, they've led others to do the same. Yeah, man, that's, uh, <laughs> Here's what's interesting. So we did a, um, there's a version Bible reading plan to go along with the book. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I'm walking through it right now, just mm-hmm. personally. And, you know, you'd think for the guy who wrote the book, he'd be okay. <laughs> and every day I'm working through it because right. it just came out. So I'm like on day four right now, seven, and I'm repenting <laughs> yeah. of how I've so easily continued to fall into the trap of each of these things. And it's just, it's, it's that kind of that discipleship journey, right? I mean, you never arrive on this side of eternity, right? So how do we personally Sabbath from striving? How do we Sabbath from all of that? And that's why for Monday, on Mondays for, for me, I mean, I don't do any social media and I don't do any emails and I don't fully not do any tech because my kids are into Minecraft now. And, and I'm like, <laughs> hey, it's hey, like, Monty. we're... Yeah, we're playing together and it's really fun to do that together. And I, I used to love video games. Um, so we don't go full on no tech because it's a way to, for us to connect. But I'm not doing emails because that, and I'm not doing social media. I'm not doing any of that because it's just, it, 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 it feeds into the striving. It feeds mm-hmm. into the experiences. You know, social media is a thing that is driving experiences and our pursuit of it and why we all think, going on one vacation a year is not enough anymore. I mean, growing up, I think that we only went on like three vacations my entire childhood. Yeah. And now it's like, you didn't go to Disney this year. What well, you didn't do you. this yeah. this year. Yeah. Create that yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. You didn't go to the beach. Yeah. You didn't get your Instagram. Yeah. It's just, we're, we're believing these lies. So how do we just first and foremost, ongoingly on a daily basis, repent, of the ways that we fall into these, into these traps and how, how can we just be okay that we are not what, and, and understand that, Hey, we're not what we do. We're what Jesus has done for us. And that's right. enough. Yes. We don't need to strive. We don't need to achieve our churches. Don't need to get on some list or we don't need to break whatever barriers or whatever. I mean, that's yeah, sure. We can say we want to do that for kingdom purposes and yeah, let's do it to reach our cities. But if you don't, Hey, you are still fully, accepted and you are good 
if you are repenting and you're coming before him and you're living out your identity as a child of God, right? And that, and that should be enough, Amen. right? Because if, if we're living for any other reason, then, I mean, our approval and our, our highs and our lows are going to be based on how we feel that day. And that's not the gospel. Amen. That's exactly. spot on, Daniel. That's exactly what I needed to hear. And I know it's exactly what some people who are listening today needed to hear that mm. uh, in the culture we in, we're in, that word enough uh, is, is rarely applied to our lives. You know, we're always wanting more and more and more and, mm-hmm. and things are insufficient and Jesus is enough. And, yeah. and in him, you know, we, we are perfectly com- complete in him, though we are Amen. a work in progress. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for uh, taking the time to share with us on the podcast today. We, we know that uh, you have encouraged us and encouraged those who are listening and uh, not trying to, to make a commercial for your book, but this is a fantastic tool. So yeah, we're, we're so. thankful that God led you to write it. Yeah. And we'll have, we'll have links to that in the show notes as well. So they can grab a copy of that. And uh, man, we appreciate you. We appreciate your time. And Daniel, we'll get to see you. You're going to be here in Alabama with us uh, for the first ever Alabama Baptist State Discipleship Conference. So we're going to put a link to that uh, event in our show notes as well. And if you want to meet Daniel personally, you'll have the opportunity to do that. That's right. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, I'm hanging out the entire conference and I'm only speaking a couple of times, but the big thing is I'm hanging out, right? Hanging out and we'll love to talk about all this with your listeners and with you guys in more in depth too. So. Well, thank you, Daniel. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 